This is Feather Forum, the podcast by Canadian Poultry Magazine, Canada's leading source for poultry news, research, and trends for more than 100 years. You've tuned in to hear important conversations with industry leaders, producers, researchers, and other experts. Hi, and welcome to the final part of our Year in Review podcast series. I'm Brett Ruffel, editor of Canadian Poultry Magazine. In our first two parts, we got the chicken and turkey industry's views on the biggest stories from last year. Now it's the egg industry's turn. For this podcast, I spoke with Tim Lambert, CEO of Egg Farmers of Canada. He spoke about the biggest challenges egg producers faced last year, as well as some exciting projects the industry worked on. This interview was conducted in early December. Now let's talk to Tim. Yes. So first off, uh, can you start with what, what what would you say was the biggest issue for the egg industry this past year? Well, I think you'll get a, a pretty consistent answer from a lot of commodities. It's been meeting the, I say now, the joint challenge of uh, COVID and now emerging from, from COVID uh, and dealing with, with avian influenza. Those would be kind of jointly our two, our two biggest challenges. Um, but, you know, I, I know I repeat this a lot in, in interviews, but I think that's been one of the contagious, one of the real strengths of supply management is our whole supply chain works together whenever we're either facing challenges or pursuing opportunities. And this year was, was really no different. <laughs> we had to work really hard to deal with you know, the issues with COVID were that you had pretty high demand for, for shell eggs and decreased demand for food processing and restaurant and food service products. And so that's starting to normalize as we emerge from COVID, but that was a big, big challenge. Um, the U.S. has been far harder hit proportionally than we have by avian influenza, but certainly we've had a number of challenges with that. Um, AI has largely become endemic in Europe, and and so there's there's just been a lot more a lot more cases. But again, back to the resilience of of our system, um, our farmers a have really really high levels of biosecurity, which are audited every year. Um, we have our field inspectors that support that, and we also have third party auditors. I also think that the fact that the farms are smaller scale than in other parts of the world, particularly the US, and spread out right across the entire country. Um, you know, yes, we have pockets of more intense production, but but if we do have an outbreak in one area, we're generally able to continue to support supplying product from other areas. So it's uh, it's been tough. I won't, say, won't try to diminish that. It's been challenging, but I think we've come through it in a really resilient way, and um, you know, and 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 continue to supply our product to Canadians. We uh, we also uh, because of the shift in demand uh, coming through COVID and, and coming out, uh, we really really ramped up what we provide into uh, eggs into food banks, etc. So. Uh, we were able to flex with with the challenges. So, in terms of the pandemic, has uh, the market for eggs pretty much returned to normal? 
I wouldn't say quite return to normal, but certainly, certainly getting there. It's, it's definitely uh, normalizing. You know, people are back. You see it all over. People are back out at restaurants, and so that uh, demand for for more eggs for food service and for process markets is is just about to normal. I, I'd say, you know, by the first quarter of 2023, I, I think barring some other dramatic change, we should be largely back to normal. And what was going through your mind when you were, you know, we're almost through the pandemic or we're sort of coming back out of it and normalizing, and then all of a sudden we're hit with another avian influenza outbreak? Yeah, well, of course you go, oh, you know, crap. But we've, we've been anticipating this, I think, this is something that we we do uh, quite well as an industry and organization is usually we're looking ahead and and we could see this coming and we've been talking about it and uh, you know for example reminding our farmers about heightened biosecurity uh, monitoring closely what's happening in in outbreaks in Europe and Asia um, monitoring closely what's happening in the U.S. Uh, working closely with with CFIA and and other provincial egg boards and agencies, uh, you know. So I think we were not caught off guard. We were we were in fact anticipating this, and I and I think um, again while we've had some outbreaks, I think we've been able to manage it fairly well, and at the same time ensure that there's no shortages of products on the shelves for Canadians. So what do you think endemic avian influenza would mean for the industry? Well, I think it means that somewhere in this process, we, we have to turn the wheels on looking closely at the possibility of vaccination. Um, it's, it's always been a bit of a controversial thing, but I think logically uh, that's where this needs to, to head. Uh, Mexico has already started uh, some some level of vaccination programs. Uh, I know that one of the concerns with vaccination has always been, well, how do you know if it's a positive titer because of a, a vaccine or or actually having the disease? But in talking to different pharmaceutical companies, they're confident their vaccines would be biomarked, if you will, so they'd be able to identify whether the it was it was uh, due to the vaccine or otherwise and so i think the technology is is kind of coming into reach and i think i think that it'll take time because uh, the rules around this for trade are governed through the world animal health organization of which canada is part of and so you know i think the dialogue needs to start there with encouragement from our industry and encouragement uh, from uh, CFIA and the Chief Veterinary Officer's Office, but I think it's a dialogue we have to have. Okay, and so what is the second biggest issue you would say from the past year? I don't know that, but beyond supply through COVID and and through through avian influenza, I I think a lot of it's been uh, getting back to pursuing the opportunities we see to grow our industry and, and um, uh, the work we're doing around sustainability, uh, not just environmental, but sustainability. We always look at holistically as being social, uh, economic, uh, and environmental. 
And so uh, we have a 10 year goal to become the world's largest uh, per capita producer of eggs. And so, um, and part of that is, is our, I described superpowers, uh, one being the most sustainable form of animal protein and pursuing that goal to be as close to, to net neutral, carbon neutral or net zero as, as possible or as realistic. Uh, but our farmers are, are driven to that every day uh, and work hard at it. And um, the incredible power of the nutrition and uh, protein value in, in eggs. And as diets shift and as immigration patterns shift, uh, we, see, we see tremendous growth opportunities ahead for us. So it's kind of pivoting maintaining our eye on the ball with with the challenges of AI and 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 whatever emerges as we continue to work through COVID uh, but then the other eye on on future growth opportunities so what were the biggest uh sustainability milestones from the past year for you guys um well a couple so uh, one we uh we started looking at sustainability Many many years ago, I know it's it's kind of the hottest topic right now, whether it's climate change or uh, on the environment side, um, social and economic. But we started our journey easily back as far as 2014, um, um, probably earlier, uh, when we set up our research chair at UBC uh, Kelowna campus with Dr. Nathan Pelche. Um, and I think we've you've previously reported on our 50-year study. Uh, which shows actually that exact point that farmers are driven to produce the most sustainable product as possible because uh, that study over 50 years showed us producing 50% more eggs using 50% of the planet's resources uh, that we did uh, 50 years ago, which is pretty in incredible. Um, and so we had that in our pocket and then it's like, okay, what's next? And uh, one of our big projects this year is something we call the National Environmental Sustainability Tool or NEST. And in a very brief nutshell, what that allows farmers to do, they, they collect massive amounts of data every day in their barns uh, through their controllers and through grabbing the data by other means, but on you know, water use, uh, feed use, uh, eggs produced, uh, energy use. And so the, the simple concept of NEST is to create uh, an electronic tool where farmers across the country can pool their data anonymously into a program and then go in and say, okay, uh, you know, for example, I'm uh, in the lower quartile for, for energy use. Uh, what are other farmers doing differently than me and how can I learn from my peers uh, and also look at other uh, information on best practices and opportunities to improve efficiency. And they can do that over a whole host of 16 or 17 uh, uh, different sustainability measures. They can benchmark themselves against their peer group. Um, so it's a pretty exciting tool. Uh, and we've got our kind of beta program has been out this year. And then early in the new year, we'll have our, our full program. And very interesting about that is not only do I think it's transformative uh, for Canada, uh, but we've uh, got a lot of interest from the US and Europe uh, on uh, their interest in, in this unique unique tool. So it's, that was, 
I'd say our big exciting development. Um, we also produced uh, our sustainability report, something we will do every year. And we share that widely, including share that with the Retail Council of Canada and their members so they can see the progress the, the egg industry is making in, in terms of steps uh, towards uh, complete sustainability. Um, so it's it, we're really, really excited about that. So you've tested Nest out on, on farms, on actual commercial farms? Yeah, so we had a kind of a network of of a bunch of of our farmers, and uh, and they've been they've been actually key to developing it, uh, and so yeah, it's been running live for quite a few months now, uh, to to really good feedback. Yeah, what sort of feedback have you gotten from testing this out on farms? Just that you know, it's a really powerful way to to understand where they're at, understand where others are. Uh, one of the enhanced features we're going to have in the next version is a chat function. So far, you can say it's whomever, or they could do it anonymously. Uh, I'm looking at my, my, you know, water use, or I'm looking at my energy use, see where I'm lagging, uh, want some feedback. What are ideas for what other people are doing? Or, you know, I'm thinking of converting my barn to, to solar. Uh, any any recommendations on suppliers? Anybody who's currently looking at the same thing or has done it? How is it working for you? Um, so that that's the kind of feedback we're getting is just the versatility and power in in the tool. And so next year will be just widely available to anyone who wants to adopt it. Any of our farmers that want to adopt it, yeah, yeah. And is there a fee? No. No, no, we want, you know, this is, you know, I, I say this often in, in interviews, um, supply management, uh, which actually we're starting to call sustainable management, but that's, that's something we could talk about a little later, um, is, is very much a public policy within Canada, and it's a social contract with Canadians. And so there's, on the sustainability side, there's two things to keep in mind. Number one, of course, the farmers want to be sustainable as sustainable as possible because that's efficient uh, business, uh, and also they're concerned with climate change. We also know that for the Canadian public, um, uh, climate change and sustainability at large are are hugely important, and so it's part of our social contract and commitment. and And so we want our our farmers to uh, to use it. And you know, it's been a huge development cost to it, but I think then down the road, if we do license it or make it available outside of Canada, and that's to be determined, but, but there's no reason we wouldn't, then that would be at some sort of, of, of licensing fee uh, for other people to access to help offset the cost to develop it. Is there anything like this in place in other countries? To what I know, this is the only one of its kind, and I'm not even aware that it exists in other industries. That I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm virtually certain it doesn't exist in any other egg industry. Has there been any other interest from other poultry groups in terms of maybe they could adopt it for their industry? Yeah, specifically the U.S. So the Egg Industry Center uh, at Iowa State University, their group has ex expressed a great deal of interest in it. Um, 
we're very active with the International Aid Commission, World, World Egg Organization. Uh, in fact, our current chair, Roger Pelissero, is on their office holders, and he he heads up their environmental sustainability working group. And so, and Nathan Pelche is a part of that group as well. So they've been sharing uh, the work we're doing on sustainability with that group. So there's a lot of interest, quite frankly, globally, uh, and definitely, definitely from from the U.S. So it's getting generating a lot of interest and a lot of excitement. So how about the turkey or chicken industry taking this and adapting it for their purposes? Yeah, we've uh, I've uh, had conversations with with uh, both those groups, and they are definitely interested. And I think with very little work, uh, it could be it could be adapted to their industries. And they've they've asked for demonstrations on the tool, and and are are interested. Okay, and then um, do you have maybe one other issue you'd like to talk about in terms of the biggest takeaways from this year? Well, one of them is which uh, uh, on December fifteenth, uh, the uh, egg farmers of Canada will celebrate fifty years. So, uh, way back in nineteen seventy-two, uh, supply management in eggs was was started, and so uh, and we will be celebrating it on the date, of course. But our real celebration will be at our fiftieth annual general meeting which will be uh, this coming March. Uh, and so plans are well underway to, to celebrate that. But, you know, it's been 50, 50 years that are pretty remarkable when you, you think of the vision of the people who set up this system uh, to enable farmers to work together. And I look back on it 50 years down the road, and I think, supply management is even more or at least as relevant today as it was back then. In fact, um, we we think there's a real opportunity to promote sustainable management uh, to other countries around the world because it, it ticks all the boxes, really. You've got uh, the economic sustainability when farmers get a fair return. Uh, then they can reinvest in technology. They can reinvest in in growing their business, um, and in face of increasing consolidation in the retail sectors and fewer and fewer buyers for farm products, um, farmers often get really squeezed. And so, I think that resilience is incredible. That farmers can get a fair return. Um, I think the progress we've made on on the social side of it, in terms of you know, for example, supply managed and non-supply managed commodities, I think, work really synergistically because when world prices are low and and there's a challenge for export-oriented commodities, you still have these supply managed farmers buying feed, accessing local debt services, buying farm equipment. Um, so they sustain that rural infrastructure. So it's still there. Uh, as commodity prices uh, expand or grow, and then and then farmers have growth opportunities to export their products. So, uh, you know, I spent 2023 will mark 40 years working in Canadian agriculture, and interestingly enough, 20% of it has been in non-supply managed commodities. 20 percent or 20 years, sorry, not percent, 20 years 
in uh, in non-supply managed commodities and 20 years in supply management. And um, I can see both sides and I, I, I feel like it's a uniquely Canadian model uh, that also ensures not only rural stability, but we have farms right across the country. It's not just concentrated in certain areas as what happens in, in the US and other countries in the world. And so we have local food, uh, generally speaking, Canadian consumers are getting eggs produced quite near to where they live. Uh, we talked about AI, if there are health outbreaks, we're able to compartmentalize because we have more uh, uh, smaller scale farms. We have, we have 1200 family farms across the country that are part of the egg industry. Uh, a third of our farmers are under their 45 years of age or younger, which is extraordinary in agriculture. And it's that way because uh, provinces have a combination of new entrant programs to draw new people in. And also because people can see a livelihood, uh, second, third, fourth and fifth generation farmers are staying in the egg business. So um, I think we've got, I think we've got a lot to be proud of as a, as an industry celebrators organization celebrating 50 years of resilience, 50 years of facing challenges, 50 years of success. And, uh, and we think what's, what started out to stabilize markets has now become almost a perfect model for others to, to consider. So I guess part of your plan then is just for to mark this milestone is just to highlight some of the achievements of the system. Yeah, celebrate the achievements, celebrate uh, the the people that that have uh, built it uh, originally and who have who have led it uh, right through to today, and to talk about the the opportunity this stable platform of, of supply management, of sustainable management, uh, gives us opportunities to, to look to the future, well beyond 50 more years, I think. Yeah, and even more recently, I've heard a lot about how it's helped the industry respond to even influenza, you know, the pandemic, and even inflation. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, through in, with inflation and through COVID, you know, you've had a lot of supply chain disruptions, but you know, we worked, we were on calls right, literally daily looking at where there were challenges and, and finding solutions to those. And there was, uh, you know, at no time through any of this where there no eggs on, on the shelves, um, we were able to manage it without production cuts. We were able to, as I mentioned earlier, do more to support others through through food banks and school breakfast programs domestically. Uh, and we continue to engage, by the way, uh, globally. Uh, we're involved in a number of development projects globally. So for example, through the International Egg Foundation, uh, we support projects in Mozambique, you know, Uganda, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. A lot of that's training of small-scale commercial farmers to become commercially viable. Uh, and then we have our kind of our flagship program where we built the egg farm in Eswatini, Africa. We continue to support all of those initiatives right through the through the pandemic. Um, and so I think I think that is all part of that high, 
you know, that, that thesis that, that supply management is really a model for the future. It's not just something to celebrate for the past. And, and I think going forward, we'll do more and more to, to tell our story of sustainability holistically, social, economic, and environment. And uh, yeah, and just continue to propel ourselves forward with the goal of becoming the world's largest per capita consumer of eggs. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot for your time. All right, great. Great to chat with you, Brett, and uh, hope you have a super holiday. Thanks for tuning in to Feather Forum, the podcast by Canadian Poultry Magazine. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit canadianpoultrymag.com slash podcasts.